Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for an episode on 24. Our latest recap, we are into episode 19 of season 3, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. It was written by Michael Losef, directed by John Kazar, first aired on April 20th, 2004. And obviously not quite the highs of last week, but still a, a good episode. I, I enjoy this one. It's got some good stuff. And I'm saying this right now. Is this Alicia Cuthbert's best ever episode? Because she might be the star this week. So no cougars to hold her back. That's a, that's a, that's a good thing. My name is Ben and let's make the Oz Network clean again. <laughs> and my name is Colin and I like your energy, Ben. Use it. No. And in terms of it being clean, <laughs> fuck off. We're not doing that either. Didn't know Stephen Saunders uh, was a big influence to Donald Trump. So um, good to know. The biggest. That we, I know. Massive. Um, a good episode. There's sockets being opened. Uh, Patrick <laughs> Fabian's yelling at people in the chemist. Uh, Chloe's being Chloe. Jack and Kim get into a bit. There's a pervy guy in a school library, which I'm sure trying to work out while he's there. And TV's Alan Dale's back for the last ever time on 24. Um, I like this episode. What are your thoughts on this episode? I I, I like it less than you, maybe. Um, but I think we're slowly discovering there's really nothing bad, bad in season three. I mean, there, there's, there's positive stuff in every week. I, I, I think that I'm going to have to really nail down whether this episode, if I judge it, based on, well, this is nothing compared to last week or the previous weeks, or where would this rank? The ranking is going to be the most interesting thing because uh, a season three episode that's bad isn't necessarily even close to as bad as a season one or two episode that's bad, bad. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, I don't think I'm quite as positive as you are. The, the, the most interesting is that there's some really shoddy acting in this episode, like really shoddy Aww. acting and, and not mo- mostly from guest stars. Uh, not not necessarily the leads. The leads have some great moments, but uh, yeah, some some pretty painful line deliveries from one-off uh, characters and actors here. I, I don't know if I agree with that. I'll just say this right now because it's going to be something I'll probably mention for the next five thousand times. But I, I'm I'm forward watching this show, and I basically at the time of recording this, I'm pretty much almost done with season four. There is an episode in season four that I want you to remember you saying there's some shoddy acting in it because even Kiefer Sutherland is bad in this episode. So I don't know. I, I, I didn't see who wrote that episode and I really do hope it's some new body who, who never did anything again after that because, my Lord, there's some bad dialogue and, my Lord, there's some bad acting in it. But uh, we'll get to that one obviously next season. But there is one thing in this episode which I it's probably my least favourite thing of the entire season and it's just like okay, what are we going to do? And it's just the way it is delivered and the way it comes out of nowhere. And I, I don't dislike the character. It's just the plot device that it is. It's literally mm. like two seconds into this, blah, 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 blah. Oh, we found out that Saunders has got a daughter. It's like, what? Oh, okay, that's that's convenient. Let, let's go find her then. It's like Chappelle's ghost is like haunting CTU right now going, oh, really? <laughs> like an hour, five minutes, five minutes ago you could have found this out. And you literally find it when my brains are all over a, a rail yard. Like, seriously? <laughs> like, you've got to be kidding me. But we'll obviously... Get to that. Shall we get, as always, Palmer drama over and done with? Oh, of course. Let's do it. There's nothing much with Palmer drama this week. Um, he gets a phone. Well, Wayne gets a phone call. Chappelle's dead. Chappelle's like, sup, David? Uh, Palmer's dead. Uh, well, Palmer's not dead. Uh, too soon for that. Um, <laughs> Chappelle's dead. Uh, old Huggy Bear David's sad. 
Um, and he's basically all like, oh, how long are we going to have to keep going along with this? And Wayne's all like, oh, you're going to have to do this. Although, although I do love here David who's just basically like, get the cabinet together. It's like, really? Now? Now now you get the cabinet <laughs> yeah. together? You, you didn't do that with the first time the terrorist called you? The second time the terrorist called you? It's like, well, now that Chappelle's there, we better get the cabinet together. Um, kind of showing once again that dear old David, not the best president at the best of times, keeping things from his cabinet. You know, there, there's like, I mean, the 43rd Amendment or whatever it was was invoked just because he was didn't want to invade a country. I mean, he's been taking orders from a terrorist and basically going yes to the terrorist. So, Alan Dale, get back on the phone. Start getting the numbers together here. Um, so he's got the cabinet together. He updates them. Hello, TV's Alan Dale. Um, last time we ever see him in 24. Sad moment, but uh, he's got the OC to get to after this, so he's, he's a busy man and lost and all the other things that he was doing in the 2000s. Um, but so Palmer informs them all, yes, we've got a terrorist. He's telling me what to do. He ordered me to say this. And he's then telling ordered- me what to do. <laughs> he ordered me to kill someone. Oh, that guy. And what did the terrorist do when you refused to kill this agent? Oh, yeah, about that. Kind of killed him. Oops, awkward. Anyway, so we're trying to stop this virus. Um, and they're all like, my God. Uh, but I, I, the thing I do love by Palmer here is one of the, I love it when one of the guys is basically like, oh, you know, you're doing this to save your bacon. And he's like, no, I'm doing this to save the people. I don't care about, you know, what happens to me. So I kind of like that line from Palmer there. And then he gets another call from Saunders. Uh, and I guess we sort of get a little bit of an inkling into Saunders, like why he's doing this. Uh, his demand here is that he wants basically all the undercover agents around the world to uh, be released to him on a website, which is a real website, by the way, although it doesn't exist anymore. It was a real website, but uh, sadly not. So sylviaimports.com apparently was a website which basically if you went to, it essentially was like, Thanks for watching 24, and we've been picked up for season four. So um, doesn't exist anymore, though. It, it, it's a dead link now. Um, but, yeah, it's, obviously, Saunders is kind of here saying that, like, oh, America has taken over the world for so long. You guys are assholes, and I'm making you pay, and we're going to destroy your military machine, and we're going to take this down. Um, and, yeah, he's got 45 minutes to upload these names to a server. So uh, this is a plot line, obviously, that all the spy movies and TV shows like to do um and that's basically the palmer drama nothing much more to it than that yeah i was really hoping uh looking up sylviaimports.com we would have come into like the about a boy page the what was <laughs> it uh models with see-through Who replied shirts. to me did i did we mention that on air i think i sent you the screenshot i, I, I know you mentioned it to me but yeah. <laughs> They, they replied to me and just simply said, like, yes, we still exist. That's all it said. <laughs> so that's probably Hugh Grant. Just sit there personally. Yes, we still exist. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, I I sort of like this Palmer drama. Uh, the, the issue I have with it, it, it's it's an issue I have with, I think, this entire season. I feel like they had similar problems last season where they, they really wanted to make a point with Palmer's character throughout the season but they didn't quite go strongly enough on it. And like the fact is we said it, he's a terrible president and the story's starting to turn in that direction now where it's coming back to haunt him. But I feel like it should turn in that direction, maybe a little bit stronger because really what's happened is we had season two where Palmer involved everybody from the beginning and everything went wrong. I mean, the only thing he did on his own was detain Mr. Journalist or whatever. Hmm. Um, but uh, otherwise, he he let everybody come along on his ride and they tried to overthrow him. And now we're sort of in the middle of this season where he's going to keep everybody out of the loop until it's way too late. And then they're going to basically try to say, no, 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 we're calling the shots now. You're not allowed anymore. Uh, that, I think, could have been a stronger story arc. You, you make that a thing where Palmer's like, I just can't catch a break. <laughs> uh, I, I tell them you can, you can help me with this. You can, you can be involved. And then look what happened last season. Now I try to do it on my own and I get the same result. That's something you can tell from Palmer side from the other side. Yeah. We have a couple of passing mentions of, uh, okay. So tell me what happened when you said, no, we will not negotiate with terrorists. You know, let's have a little bit more angle. Let's have all, I feel like all the drama from last season, with uh, the, what was it? The, the whatever amendment uh, to, to try to overthrow him. That could have been a storyline this season. We could have ditched the Milliken storyline or we could have ditched the Anne storyline. And sure, we would have lost uh, uh, 
uh, what's her name? Wendy Gina Torres. Wendy Cruz and Gina Torres. Yes, we would have lost them. Maybe you could have had them be a cabinet member. I don't know. You could have sell them a show. But it, it feels like this is the time to tell that story because it's more justified now. Uh, what I love more than anything, though, is Palmer's uh, <laughs> moment where he's like, we have just ordered the death of one of our finest agents. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait a you mean Ryan Chappelle? <laughs> finest agent? Him? Doesn't even have hair. Uh, <laughs> he, he 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 doesn't make his own decisions. He just says he's a yes man. <laughs> he's the furthest thing from a finest agent. And then he, when he said like, "We will not cave in to terrorists," <laughs> like, well, you kind of just did. Like, this is his buyer's remorse. Oh, I knew I should. Tell Chappelle's family that by, when this comes yeah, out, to, you know, death by president. In, in six years, when his brother remembers that he has a brother, then yeah. you can break it to the brother. He was one of our finest agents, and we caved in. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit too soon to be calling Chappelle one of the finest agents. But this storyline, I think, really would work, but it's not done right. And that's the frustration is that this could have been a much bigger part of the season. Before I say one thing about that one, the line which I use as my opening line, I, I do love Saunders' line. It's like, I'm going to make America clean again, which, I mean, you know, Trump, instead of make America great again, make America <laughs> clean again. Like, you know, could have worked. Again, watching Ford into season four, it's it's interesting kind of having when Palmer comes back and sort of what he's used for. Because I think the thing about Palmer is that, Dennis Haysbert is a likable guy. Palmer is a likable guy. You like this guy, even though we're yeah. sitting here on a podcast analyzing him that as a president, he's maybe not the best, but what he gets away with, he's likable and you relate to him. And I think that all comes down to a lot of the family stuff that they do with him and kind of making him more personal. So, I mean, you know, is he realistically a great president? No, but it's it's fascinating when it comes to next season, which, I mean, spoiler alert, Keeler. And then when Logan gets introduced, like what we see from Keeler is really just presidential. Like that's all we kind of mm. see. We don't really see the family side of things. But when Logan gets brought in, I mean, Logan's thing when he gets brought in is that he is a struggling president. He is a bad yeah. president. He's making bad decisions. So who do they bring in to help him? Palmer. Um, so, but like, I think what they do well with the Logan character is they do that from the get go. And that's kind of the beauty of, of Logan. So Logan's never a great president. He's just a more laid and incredible character. Yeah, like it might just be that. It might just be that they have painted themselves into a corner so much with Dennis Haysbert's portrayal, like him himself and as well how they've written him the last couple of seasons where you are supposed to root for the guy that it's very similar to problems we had in season two where it's like he's making really bad calls. Like we want this to be a bigger part of the show because it's fine to do that. And I feel like every other character in the show is allowed to do that, you know? Tony, we're going to get to some pretty bad calls Tony's about to make, but it doesn't take away from the fact that this was a character that everybody loved. Uh, and it, it, it's weird when we're seeing both Dennis Haysbert and Carlos Bernard essentially living out the same story type of arc, not not mm. similar story. This isn't, an, uh, it, it, it's kind of like ER, but, but, but it's similar <laughs> type of arc where you have the downfall of this lovable character uh, but with Tony, they're they're going all out, you know, they're going balls to the walls. OK, we're going to show like why this guy is not going to be around necessarily in the same capacity next year. And with Palmer, it's like they're, they're too scared to pull the trigger. You know, is it a thing where no matter what they try to write, they're like, we can't make you hate Dennis Haysbert. He's such a lovable, cuddly bear. Uh, yeah. Or is it that they don't want to go that far with him? Yeah, I don't know. But either way, I feel like you need to do what you're doing with Tony with Palmer to really have the storyline be as effective as I think it should be, because it's a great idea for a storyline. And I think the thing I mentioned last season, that Palmer didn't really feel presidential to write at the end, and there's not really anything in this season that makes him presidential. Tell you what, next season, when he's not even the president, spoiler alert, he feels very presidential. So yeah. uh, it's kind of like in retirement, Palmer kind of gets gets that on board. I mean, it's not like they're not capable of changing sort of characters. Chloe next season, holy crap, you go from like hating yeah. this woman to all of a sudden like, oh, okay then, this is where we start yeah. to actually like Chloe. So uh, it's a big change of character for Chloe next season. Um I guess with the, the just maybe the additional Saunders stuff here. So, I mean, all we really get from him is, oh, protect my daughter. Um, and He's then, Admiral Ackbar, protect my daughter. Protect my daughter. Ah, it's kind of like AI. It's a trap. Protect my daughter. <laughs> uh, he's going to get rid of Chappelle's body. They confirm it's him. And uh, 
that's really it. Um, so I mean, it's probably the less, the least we get of Saunders, I think, really for the rest of the season now. Um, but uh, yeah, nothing really to add there. I don't know if you've got dying to talk about Saunders wanting to dispose of Chappelle's body. <laughs> oh, where are they disposing of it? That's my question. <laughs> we Respect want more you. info. We, but then, then again, Paul Blackthorne, like, I just love the way he's, like, on the phone to the president. It's like, we will dispose of his body respectfully, of course. I was like, bullshit, <laughs> he's going to dump it in, like, you know, it's off the Santa Monica Pier or something like that, you know, buried under the Hollywood sign. So <laughs> he's a respected agent, one of our finest. Um, you know, that's where Palmer should be like, he's one of our finest agents. I want you to ship him to D.C. Am I going to give him a military funeral? And <laughs> You know, he's one of our finest, Chappelle, which, I mean, goes to show how much people care about Chappelle when Tony, <laughs> Chloe, oh, when's Chappelle coming back? Guys, yeah. Chappelle's dead. <laughs> Adam's on the phone. Okay, I'm right back to work. <laughs> You're like two people going, oh, shit. There goes my bowling partner. Um, God a, damn it. I, I really just want, because he even said, oh, my friends are my coworkers. This is why I want people breaking out in tears or the opposite, just having like, that's terrible. Which one was Chappelle? Because <laughs> he's he's not even the a permanent pushover. Because <laughs> he's not even like permanent staff. I mean, he comes in like halfway through the day every six months <laughs> and starts trying to boss people around. Most people probably don't know his name. There are executives in my company that will come in and I'll always be like, oh, I know they're important, but don't know their name. <laughs> Don't worry, he's a division replacer. I can't remember his name. He gets mentioned in this episode. When he comes in this season, you want to talk about bad actors. Wait till he gets in the show. I am the new Chappelle. Don't do that, Jack. Uh, sorry, Can we not just have me. Ed be the one person breaking down be Ed? And no, not Chappelle. Ed, no. Um, oh, so funny. There's uh, Next season, there's um the torture guy. He's just always mentioned by name, and he's just standing there, ready to go. Uh, it's just so funny. Get me Frank. And there's Frank, just walks in. I don't think he's a line all season, but there's so much torture next season. He's always on standby. So where do we get to them? Um, I guess really here, like, kind of everything's really connected. I mean, I guess you could sort of disconnect the chase stuff. So Patrick Fabian's going around. Chase is sent out to question the wife. Um she- she is such a terrible, like, she's so dumb. I said this last week, but come on. Well, he wasn't at the channel plus the hotel. Oh, he's done it again. Oh, I hope he dies. Uh, <laughs> like, I love how she's carried out in, like, a bubble. Um, again, don't get invested in this storyline, people, because it really doesn't go anywhere. Like, it's sort of, this is the last you see of Patrick Fabian and old Dumbo wife here, and they're kind of gone, and then the whole, like, drama around, oh, no, quarantines, we might miss out on it. They kind of just in one episode go, yeah, it's fine, and then just move on. So I'm <laughs> spoiling it because this is what, this is one of these random 24 storylines that I think you're meant to care about, but you don't really. So uh, Patrick Fabian, uh, Howard's gone to a chemist. My nose has been bleeding forever. Go to a doctor. No. Yes. Okay. And he goes to a ER. Damn it. Give me some, give me some shit here. I'm bleeding. Sit down. Okay. Oh, I'm on the news. Oh, here's that guy. We went to quarantine. I've seen it advertised. Um, <laughs> gets, gets shoved in a little tent thing and basically he's got to give all the information out of where he's been. Bumps into old Doris at the, uh, at the chemist who's basically a, a regular customer. Oh, my favourite customer. Um, and this is going to set out a, a thing. They kind of bench Chase for a little bit here, which is a bit sad. Chase gets angry on the phone, like, damn it, why are you sending Kim in there? I love Tony. Back off, Chase. Um, <laughs> if, if that was Chappelle, he would have been like, you are right. You are right, Chase. We will pull Kim off this story right now. Um, but, yeah, I'm a bit sad that Chase doesn't get a whole lot to do, but... TV's Patrick Fabian was in two episodes of 24, so uh, can't complain. He's angry. Uh, not likable like Howard. Rest in peace, Howard. Anything to add on this? Uh, it's kind of absurd the, the way that they, they, the fact they feel the need to throw in there. It's like, oh, he did it again. I hope he catches something. I hope he dies. <laughs> because why do we need it? Like you said, this is a character that's going to be gone in one episode i mean this is it and I, I i had forgotten that this was even part of it until you'd watch ahead and you sort of fill me in yeah you know there's this weird thing with the wife where it's like oh yeah he's done this before but, but really why is it needed and she's one of the bad actors this episode too is oh, oh yeah. i hope he dies oh it's just bad and and like you don't need this because doing that is telling the audience you need to get invested in the storyline and 
I hate to compliment the singer storyline, but the singer storyline, you knew that when they had some family drama going on that was annoying to watch, that, well, at least it's going to go somewhere. At least they're going to be around for a while. At least we have to get invested in their characters, even if the, the, the writers are just telling us, get invested in their characters. And here we're supposed to get invested in what? Uh, the thing that's even stupider is him going to the pharmacy because like, I'm going to imagine this is a very smart guy. He's cheated on his wife many times and she bought his story. That oh yeah I was no I'm sorry sorry to interrupt but no she's just dumb that's how dumb he is (laughs) that she's even dumber than he is okay well let's let's at least add to that he he's a businessman he's a successful businessman at least he's got some brains in his head and I don't know if anybody in the history of 24 is as dumb to be like my nose won't stop bleeding let me go into a pharmacist (laughs) like I heard that there's a pill that can cure heroin can it do the same for nosebleed. I mean, again, this is this season where you get shot in the hand, take a pill for it. You get shot in the neck, take a pill for it. Heroin, take a pill for it. What's going to stop my nose? Why is he going into a pharmacy? Like, And, and if they say, uh, this is a pharmacy, sir, we don't have pills for that. Well, come on. I don't have time for this. Give me something. Like, he, he just looks stupider and stupider the more they put him on screen. I feel so bad for Patrick Fabian. Um, but yeah, like when they tell him, like, oh, you got to go to the hospital. They, maybe they can cauterize it. Like, there does not seem to be a lot of worry in this man about what's going on. And that's the other problem I have is that you could build more drama by having him really freaking out. Like, somebody's going wrong. I don't know what it is, but I can't talk to my wife because I cheated on her and I don't want to go to the hospital because it's so important. Like, have some panic and all he's, I got to get to work. Come on. Like, it's just, it's another thing where it's like, I, I see where you're going with this, but you're handling it all wrong because it's just so stupid and so absurd. Which, I mean, we're going to have some issues moving forward with the random character that's got to be connected somehow. Like, I have an issue. And we've got one coming in this season of the, oh, no, the CTU worker has a family member that needs some attention. You know, we had that with Michelle last season. We're going to have it with Adam this season. The next season, there's like 40 of these storylines. which is like, oh, God, he's another one. Um, but, like, at the same time, they, they 24 is capable of doing the random character that only appears sporadically or just once or twice and you do like there's an episode next season where there's literally one episode where it's pretty much 75 percent two random characters and Mm. it's a great episode it works really well you're in one episode you never see him again but like it works it's done in such a way be like i really care for these two and i'm invested but like this it's like i mean let's be honest if we hadn't watched better call Saul, we wouldn't have a clue who the fuck this guy is like I, i could not remember that this guy was a character, so yeah. I could not remember that Patrick Fabian was... Like, it's not like when I watched Better Call Saul, I'm like, hey, it's a random guy who fucked all around on his wife and got a nosebleed. There he is. Um, yeah. The other, the other part that I think hurts this is that the idea of let's have somebody get out of this hotel, they're trying to extend the storyline even further, but it doesn't extend any further than this, you know? Uh, and it doesn't even have that satisfying of a conclusion. It's... If, if, if they had done this, I almost feel like at this point, the writers are like, yeah, you know, we're really on to something. Hello, Casper. Thank you for Casper's back. He's picked again. the lock again. Did, He's got a knife. I don't, Look out. I don't know. Did, I don't think we mentioned it on. Can I find it? I don't know. Can I find it? Wow. Just take the remote from upstairs, Casper. Weekly cameo. We there he goes. We, Thanks, Casper. Well, I don't think we've. I don't think we mentioned it on air yet. But uh, yeah, Casper breaking into the door here. I thought he was finding Jamie's key until the last time he did this. I went upstairs and found that he had a knife. The kid <laughs> is six years old and figured out how to pick a lock. He's got a knife. Uh, yes. Hi. Hi, Rabbi. I think there's a solution there. Hide your knives better. Uh. <laughs> uh, anyways, back to what I was saying. Yeah, it, it's like the writers got to this point. Bye, guys. <laughs> wow, they got Jamie's to this upset. point, <laughs> and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna be able to extend this now at the end of the season." And then suddenly, everybody else grouped together. It's like, "Oh, we got too much going on with Jack, and we got too much going on with with Palmer." You know, I, I don't know how much we can dedicate to this story. Like, ah. Oh. I wish we'd done this two or three weeks earlier. Cause you do this two or three weeks earlier and you have a good story. It's just like the Palmer story. Like I like the idea of this. It's just, it goes nowhere. Uh, also shoddy acting number two in this episode, Miss desk clerk here. Oh yeah. Uh, she's back. It's like on paper, they wrote, we're going to have one of those dramatic moments where somebody delivers a line and there's a pause and then we'll have the music. You Sean Callery coming dun, 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 because she's like, excuse me, sir, that guy that they're looking for, pause 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 he's here but like like you could deliver he's here 
That's like the way it's written because they even have the pause in there. But this lady's like, excuse me, the guy that they're looking for, he's here. <laughs> like, it's just the worst delivery. And you know that this was meant to be more dramatic. Um, two fighters yeah. against a Star Destroyer? <laughs> yeah, this is our two fighters against a Star Destroyer guy in, uh, in the middle of 24. Um, yeah, a lot of things really are hurting this episode on a very superficial level. But when you have multiple bad actors in this episode, it doesn't help. I think the thing that we're noticing in this season, not as much as last season, but it is that kind of weirdness of 24 where they'll just introduce things that do feel like there's something, but they're not. Like season one, was there a storyline where it didn't, connect to the overall plot. Like, I'm not saying this does, this technically does connect to the plot, like, because the guy's escaped yeah. the hotel, but, like, it goes nowhere. The freaking dumb-faced derp kid in the beginning of the season, like, technically it was all about the virus, but, like, if you kind of analyse that, that, that was pointless. It was all a fake out, so you didn't really need it. You know, last season, God, Kim, everything she was in, kind of, you know, whatever, who gives a shit, where there wasn't really anything. Maybe Kim in jail with Melanie and all that kind of stuff, yeah. I guess. Technically, is probably the only one I can think of. Terry gets amnesia and meets what's a, what's his face. But, like, <laughs> I guess because it's season one, it kind of feels different, if you you're know what I mean. You're still trying to figure out the show, so you're not yeah. as conscious of it. Yeah, and I think that because I think season one, the, the great thing about season one is you get invested in those characters so e- easily, uh, whereas here, like, I mean, you don't. Um, and I guess on the rewatchability of it, you make the most of Terry in season one because you know she's not going to be there past season one and, and Kim, you know, the importance and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. D- is it triggering in this episode, though, seeing that quarantine zone? Like, if one person gets out, one person gets out. And we've got a quote. Like, I was like, whoa, God, this is this is a weird flash forward 20 years later. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things coming up in the next few weeks where you're like, ooh, this is, this is starting to uh, remind me of something here. Um, but uh, it also makes you question, when they first found out about it could potentially be reaching the hotel, why did it take them like 20 minutes to cordon off the hotel? You know, yeah. cause it wasn't even uh, just Patrick Fabian getting out. It was that whole standoff we had with everybody meeting in the lobby and Michelle ha- having to hold people off and shoot people at gunpoint. Like you, you should have had this barricaded and, and yet none of those measures were in place. And that was the one time where you knew, okay, if anything happens here, you know, the rest of the city is dead. Well, whose fault is it? Michelle didn't have to go in. If she was all like, oh, I'm going to yeah, find exactly. it. We can step up for it. Like, if they didn't go in, then things would have been okay. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you'll see this hotel in like a couple episodes. Well, I mean, I guess once Michelle's still in there, but it sort of goes away. But when it comes back, it's kind of like the bubble hotel. Like, it's like, well, where was this at the beginning? Like, they've set that up pretty quickly. So, um, I guess kind of the rest of it. So, Jack, everything's kind of connected here with the CTU storyline. So Jack's obviously with Chappelle's body calls it through. Uh, the van shows up and they check him for trackers. And it's like, if you try to follow us, he will release the virus. Like a uh, weird accent. You'll probably do it as Arnie. Um, <laughs> fun fact. There was a, a, I guess a deleted scene here. And you can kind of actually tell when you see Kiefer, uh, basically when they cut back to him in the helicopter. So uh, when, he's sitting in that helicopter and he calls Tony saying like Chappelle's dead. You can sort of looks like he's been crying. Initially it was done that they were going to have a scene of Jack in the helicopter crying. Uh, but then they removed it and then come in a couple of episodes time. You'll see it again in a much more effective capacity. I feel, um, but this is kind of in between hand when they're all of a sudden like, Oh, plot convenience of the week. Uh, Saunders has a daughter and like all they need is a line here. All they need. Cause like, it's implied. It's implied that he gets killed. Chappelle is killed because he was close to finding Jane. It's sort of implied by Saunders here when he's like, you know, oh, you know, Chappelle, yes, but they're still going to be looking for her. So keep it. So, like, mm-hmm. it's it's implied but never specifically stated. So all they need to do is a line here when Chloe turns around and it's like, hey, guys, guess what? Jane Saunders exists. And they're like, oh, that's what Chappelle was looking for. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. all they need is to say something like, well, clearly that's why. Because they still are questioning well, in this episode, why was Chappelle killed? And you never get a direct answer to this. So it's weird yeah. that they never kind of just one line. The closest they get is, I think, right at the beginning of the episode, they say Chappelle was following the trail on something and we're not quite sure what it is. And then they kind of reveal. But, but yeah, like you said, they don't have that moment where they're like, that must have been it. Because yeah. you are coming off of the most dramatic death in the history of 24 in arguably, you know, one of the greatest moments in history of 24, if not the greatest moment in the history of 24. And you want that explanation. And this is, uh, this is now the third thing we're pinpointing in this episode where it's like, 
yeah, we see where you're going with the storyline, but like you, you need to, you need to make this clear that there's a point to this. You need to make it a bigger deal. And you, you can't have something as dramatic as Chappelle's death and then just gloss over it like this. So basically with Jane, it's a case of, oh, let's, let's go get her. So she's in a school in Santa Barbara or something like that. And Jack's all like, no, this is a bad play. Why don't we uh, send an agent in, switch her out uh, that way? Because Saunders is going to be watching her. So he's going to know. So uh, let's do a classic switcheroo. So Tony's all like, Jack, you're a genius. Get me agents in sector one and sector two. Open a socket. That's what he says. We get a socket opening in this. And they're like, get me all the agents. So they Chloe brings in the list of the agents and they're all in San Francisco. They're all hanging out with Full House, you know, uh, rest in peace, Bob Saget, all those sort of people, charmed, the likes. And Tony's like, well, give me the second list. And it's all like, oh, you're not going to like this. And who would it be? Oh, Kim. She's going to have something to do. She hasn't had something much to do in the last couple of weeks. So Kim's going to go in there. But, this, I mean... I, I really hope you're not going to rip into Alicia Cuthbert because she's brilliant this week. Like, I, I think kind of how she comes into the office and basically Tony's like, Kim, it's going to be you. And Kim's just like, yep, cool, bring it up. And she's just, you know, she's ready to go. Um, and and Chloe, when she's, like, talking to Kim, she's like, I really hope nothing bad happens to you. <laughs> <laughs> just like, uh, so I really should have, you know, talked Tony out of it more, but blah, 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 blah. And Kim's just like, oh, shut the fuck up. Like, I'm doing this. You know, she's ready. She's excited. Kim's like, yeah. Is there a cougar involved? Let me shoot someone. Like, you know, I'm, I've am i got the taste for blood after killing yeah. Watson's face. And she's, I mean, this, we want, I want we more. Said, she, and I we know said I last season. Yeah. Which, which, I mean, where do we get to the end of this episode? But then we get an absolutely amazing scene, and I will defend this. Don't tell me you hate this scene. Jack comes in, finds out that Kim is going to be going uh, using said. T- Jack just like gets angry, gets into a bit of a fisty cuff here with Tony, and Tony's all like, "Oh, this is my decision." It's like, "No, it's not your decision. It's my decision." And then an amazing scene. Uh, this is Alicia Cuthbert's starring moment. I'm, I'm marking this down as a potential top five. Just this speech between her and a dad. Just the back and forth where Jack's just basically like, no, you are not a field agent. You are not doing this. How dare you? And Kim's just basically like, you don't get to make this decision. I want to do this. You know, this is my job. This is my duty. America. Um, and just like completely like puts Jack and just the reaction of Jack, the way he's kind of like seen this, like, oh, okay, damn. Like, you know, she fucked that cougar. If it was only here this season, it wouldn't have had a chance. But, uh, you know, th- this puts the... I've had a bad day, bring it on speech to absolute shame. Like if this was Kim in jail, then yeah, back off, leave her alone. But I, I just love it. I think it's so great. And the way that both Alicia Cuthbert and Kiva Sutherland feed off each other. I mean, you know, I'm a massive fan whenever we get a good Kim and Jack scene and they're rare. And this is, this is the best of the bunch. This is fantastic. This scene. Uh, yeah. Well, just going back a little bit, the, um, the moment at the start of the episode where the guys come and get the body, that's something that you wouldn't normally have in 24. You wouldn't feel the need to wrap up the previous week's episode with a scene like that, that again, doesn't really go anywhere, but I love that they have it because just the intensity of they're coming to get the body, got all these masked guys and they all have guns on each other. Like Jack's expression, like you want to talk about, you know, Alicia Cuthbert, yes, she has great moments in this episode, but I feel like the best stuff we get from Kiefer Sutherland in this episode is where he's saying nothing at all right at the start, where he's just, he he, he looks cold, he looks emotionless, he's like, I will pull the trigger if I get the chance, you know, uh, but yet you still feel the emotion of everything that just happened with Chappelle, whereas we're going to drop Chappelle so quickly <laughs> that I think you needed this moment to, to kind of make the audience realize, hey, this isn't over yet, like, like somebody will pay for this. Um, I love that whole you know, standoff they had while the guys are loading the body. And then just how cold it is that they're just loading his body and Jack can't do anything about it. But a, a normal actor would have played that completely differently. They would have played it where, you know, they were like, don't you dare touch that man or you show him some respect, you know, <laughs> something like that. Uh, <laughs> give him a proper burial, anything. But he's just looking at him like you can still see the emotion of what happened without Jack responding in any way or getting upset. Uh, which is why I think I'm a little bit more frustrated, not with the Jack and Kim because I specifically wrote the Jack and Kim scene saves the really laughable fight between Jack and Tony because it's so over the top. And it, I, I think it's just, it, it's one of these moments where I'm not going to say it's out of character, but it just feels so abrupt. It feels like Jack's still going through withdrawal or something because this is the most over the top he gets all season. I, I did not like the scene with Tony at all. I did like throughout the episode, 
why every time people are questioning Tony, Tony just progressively starts to listen, am I the boss here or what? <laughs> Kim's my employee. He's not your employee. She's not well, Chloe's he took employee. Control. We didn't mention that when he's like, I have run Chappelle's dead. I'm your new boss. Get back to work. Yeah. Guess what? No soul patch needed anymore. If I say I'm the boss, I'm the boss. I got I shot in the example. neck, exactly. everyone. Which, by the way, do you notice that we we watched the next, you've watched the next season almost, but uh, <laughs> I've watched the next couple episodes after this. And you can see sometimes from one scene to the next, the blood change on his bandage. Like, I don't know if he's changing mm. that bandage every 15 minutes, but it'll be fully saturated. And then like in the next shot, there's like nothing at all, but a little dab. He's losing blood. a lot of blood without knowing. He's just going to collapse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's his excuse. Uh, that's why I did this, Kim. Uh, but yeah, I do love the idea of Kim going into the field and them addressing the fact. It's like, well, why are you here? Uh, I don't want it to sound like I'm criticizing the writers uh, or the planning of the season so much. This episode, I just feel like this is the episode where a lot of things you start to question it more because they're transitioning, which is natural. And I understand you only have so much time in a season. You can't fit everything in. But I, I would have loved to have had a buildup to this throughout the season where let's say Kim is constantly being told we had a few moments of that with like Chloe or whatever, or Adam, you know, oh, they, they think I only got this job because of my dad or whatever, because my dad wants me to be babysat. They literally have her babysitting. Make this a bigger thing throughout the season where you keep having people saying, no, we're not going to give it to Kim. You know, she's not a real employee. She's only here because her dad wants her to be here because he doesn't trust her to not get into trouble. Uh, so that when you, and, and maybe if it's tough because I feel like you needed Kim in that Nina scene, but having Kim in the Nina scene has almost lessened the impact of the conversation Jack's with have with her. No, I want you out of danger. If this had been the first, if he had perfectly protected her all season within the bubble of CTU, and then you have him exploding. No, you're not going on the field. That's not why I put you here. And then her saying, Hey, you may have put me in CTU for that reason, but I wanted to be here. This is what I want to do, so let me do this. I feel it's more effective. It's it's not an issue so much of the scene, the writing, the acting, or anything else. It's the fact that their hands were tied. You needed her in the Nina scene earlier, but having her in that and then having her here again, it's kind of like a little bit of a light bulb goes off. Wait, this is looking familiar. Is Would this have been more effective if you would only had this happen once to Kim throughout the season. I can tell you though, I'm, I'm much more on board with this than I was watching this when it originally aired because when it originally aired, both with the Nina scene and with this, my thought was always, I thought we were finally done with Kim gets into trouble, needs saving or whatever. Um, she's not going to need saving in this, which is I think one of the best things about the episode. is kidnapped. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Again, a little bit of a, ooh, this is familiar. I think I've seen this before. Um, but it, it's, I think it's better for me than it was when I watched this in 2004, but still I'm not criticizing the writer saying you should have done differently. I'm just saying, I I feel like if they had had the ability to plan out the entire season in advance, this might've been handled a little bit different, but the scene itself is fantastic, particularly because you have her saying, listen, this is what I want to do. So stop being a helicopter parent. Let me pick a lock. Give me a knife. I I don't agree. I think that I think it's the opposite effect. I think the fact that Jack protects her and gets her out of that Nina situation, he's still being protective of her. Um, you know, and this scene it just kind of adds to that that we've just seen this already from Jack, and then he is fully admitting that you know I've got her here to be protected. It's it's also the case of why he's so anti her and Chase being together because he doesn't want there to be an issue. I think. If anything, it builds up to this moment. Uh, the only bit that's a bit like, well, okay, you didn't get angry about that, was when Gael kidnapped her. Um, you know, that's never addressed. Um, but no, I, I don't agree. I think it's it's done in such a way where this is kind of the build up to, hey, like, back the fuck off, I'm Kim Bauer. Like, you know, yes, okay, you're protecting me, but I'm also capable of doing this. And I think you kind of then get the added element of that when they're walking to the helicopter and he's handing her a gun. And then basically, you know, like we get that moment where he's just basically like, I'm in, when we're in the field, I'm in control. Do you understand? And it's kind of like, Mm. he's being assertive dad, but it's almost like he's finally letting this go and finally letting like, yeah, okay. She's a grown ass woman right now. And I'm going to let her do her own thing. Yeah. And I can see that Uh, again. I I'm kind of torn because I, it's one of these things where I like it my way, where this is the the first time that this becomes a thing. But but I think ultimately what it comes down to with both your scenario or mine it, is that we didn't have enough of that buildup to make this as satisfying of a moment as it should have been. 
if we had had more characters questioning her throughout the season, if we had had this be, this is your clear storyline, Kim, you know, and, and that's something that season one had. I mean, even when we transitioned to, oh, Kim's in jail, it still felt like, okay, you're carrying through on something you started at the beginning of the season. We know what Kim's journey is from, you know, hour one to hour 24, whereas I, I really am with you. I'm on board with Kim working at CTU. This is the storyline that makes most sense, but they have played a lot of hot potato with Kim this season. Uh, where it's, yeah, okay, you're, you're going to do this. Now you're going to be babysitting. Like, I don't think they cl- clearly had a plan from the beginning where they wanted to go with this. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that aspect because she definitely has been invisible here and there and used when it's convenient. I, I would definitely agree with that. And let's be honest, moving forward to the rest of the season, it kind of goes back to that, you know. Um, but I still would say this is probably Kim's strongest season just on the fact that, yeah, I, I was with you. She's the not first annoying. Well, like what you said about watching it the first time where it's kind of like, oh, here we go again. I definitely remember having that vibe. But on a rewatch, like, I don't know if it's just because it's done sporadically and it's done in a way where it's like, oh, two seconds later, she's fine. I mean, she literally gets out of this one by killing someone again. But it's, it's yeah, you're right. It's not annoying. And I think what they've done well with her character this season, if they've, they've made her strong and assertive, and it's almost like those that first episode where you've got Adam and that, oh, you're only here because of your dad. Literally every single person who's watching the show thinks the same, and they kind of yeah. do enough where it's kind of like, no, she's here on her own wheel, and then this is the scene which kind of solidifies that. So I will defend Kim a lot in this season. I mean, spoiler alert, this is the last season where she's in it basically as a star. She, what, doesn't come back to season five, I think, is it seven that she's maybe in it for about half of it? Um, but you know, she's obviously, there is one season where she's in it for more than you think she is from memory. Mm. Um, like, yeah, five, I think she's in it for like five episodes, but there's definitely a season where she's in it for a lot more than you think she is. But, um, you know, so this is really her last chance and weirdly like, you know, what more could you do with her? Do you turn her into a fully fledged agent? I wouldn't be fully opposed to her, like out in the field with a gun. Like it'd be kind of cool. Um, but you know, again, a lot of people would roll their eyes at it. So yeah, I mean, season one, yeah, she gets into trouble. She can be somewhat annoying, but I think kind of she's important. Season two, yeah, go, don't even get started on how terrible she is in that season. But this season, I think, is her best by far. And, um, you know, we're obviously making the most of it because we're not going to get a whole lot of her sort of moving forward. Um, but anyway, so they're off. They're, they're off and racing. Um, they're, they're, they've got the drop in place. So uh, they put Kim in a, a wig, which, I mean... I'm more of a brunette guy. Go to Salish Cuthbert with brown hair. Better than the blonde. Saying it right now. Mm-hmm. Although I'm a fan of I'm a fan of Jane as well. So look, you know, wouldn't wouldn't say no. Wouldn't kick him out of bed in the morning. Let's just just say that. Um, and <laughs> Chase too. He's gonna hot. feel like you're more brunette <laughs> than a blonde guy. <laughs> uh, Kiefer's well, Kiefer, very blonde. Kiefer's got dark hair in things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when he stopped bleaching it, carpets match the drapes. Um, I mean. <laughs> Patrick Fabian's got dark hair in this. He's not bleach blonde like Howard. So, you know. Um, so they they get the drop. I love these random, like, CTU agents here that you never see again. Uh, good to see they've got some female agents. So, you know. That bothered me too. Not that they have female oh, sexist, agents because I know sexist. you were going to say that. Not where I'm going with it. Where's, where's Max the, Dawson? Have, Tweet out. <laughs> we have spent this entire season like Jack's got to go even though he's screwed up so much he's got to be the one to go Chase got shot in the hand Tony got shot in the neck they're the only ones Kim is the only one to go because we have no field agents suddenly we have about a dozen field agents <laughs> that have been there the whole season and yet well, every shift. time somebody goes on a Colin, it's like 8 a.m now they're starting their shift <laughs> it was 8 a.m when we started the season almost or it was only a couple hours later it's just, and why all of a sudden do we have every field agent imaginable that none of them were there prior to this the, my biggest thing is I love this, like, university library, right? So you got Jane. She's the popular book person working in the library. There she is. She's flirting with the guys, all this kind of stuff. And she's going to love this agent. Oh, awkward. My drink. My bad. Oh, you're not meant to have drinks in here. Uh, <laughs> so she goes off to get changed and gets, like, drugged and stolen while Kim goes into place. Why is this, like, guy who we're meant to believe red shirt guy is yeah. evil guy when he's not? He's, like, older than you. He's, like, in his 50s. What's he doing? Like... <laughs> Obviously, I know you can have older students, 
But, like, I mean, surely someone's called. This guy's fucking creepy as shit. Like, he's pervin on Jane. <laughs> That's all he's doing. Like, oh, he's evil. No, he's not. He's like, analyze this when you know he's not evil. He's just like staring there going, yeah, hey, Jane. And watches her go into the bathroom. And then he's just standing at the desk going, like, hey, miss, I need some help. Like, like yeah. this is a type of, like, if you had a daughter, this is the type of guy you'd be warning your daughter. I mean, you're warning Casper and the kids about this guy. You know, it doesn't matter if they're <laughs> men or male or female. This guy would kitty fiddle anyone with a penis or a vagina. Like, he's a cr- what's he doing there? I, I hadn't even thought about that until you said it, but you know what it reminded me of. Uh, me. I'm sure this happened. Yes, Ben. Well, 100% Ben. <laughs> Uh, but uh, Jamie uh, had taken the the twins to the mall. They have like one of those play centers in the middle of one of the malls here where there's, you know, jungle gyms or whatever the kids can play on if you just want to, you know, sit down for a bit while you're in the middle of shopping. And it's basically just there for kids. And Jamie was telling me there was one day where there was a guy, she's like, there was some older guy who just kept like, you know, looking and smiling and waving at kids. And it's like, he was there himself. And like, she didn't say anything, but like a security guard went up and told this guy, excuse me, you have to leave. You don't have a child here. You have to leave. Cause it is incredibly suspicious. That's what this guy is. He's the guy who wanders around by himself in the kitty areas, you know, watching the kids play. Which, I mean, there's a fine line. Like I've heard these stories or read these stories about how like you'll have say like a guy's catching a plane, right? And he's by himself, and then all of a sudden, there's a kid flying. So, like, so there's two empty seats, and they'll sit like a, a kid on the plane. But then they ask the man to move because it's kind of like, well, no, we can't have a man sitting next to a child, but the child can sit next to a woman. So it's like, well, a woman can't be a pedophile. Like it's kind of like it's it's that implication that automatically you can't have that. So there's a yeah. line there, but like my argument with this guy, he's a fucking creep. Like you can see this well, guy. Yeah. He's he's not even looking at a book. He's literally checking out Jane as she's going to the bathroom. And I was going like, yeah, she's taking a whiz. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> does she the, wipe the, front to back? Mm, like <laughs> creepy. He's the red herring. Like we know why he's there yeah. for the sake of the show, but like it does leave an unanswered question afterwards. It's like this guy didn't, one of these things doesn't belong. He didn't belong before you knew that there were terrorists in the building. Now that you know there's terrorists in the building, like, is he a second one or is he just a pedo? And, like, the thing is, Jack and everyone are, are calling this guy out. Keep, keep an eye on red shirt. So once they've, like, gotten Jane, that sort of stuff, and it's like, oh, no, Kim's killed, you know, Samuel, they're kind of like, well, who the fuck was red shirt guy? Like, this guy, <laughs> oh, it's Jenkins, local pedo. Like, let's fucking get in on arrested two for one while we're here. CT, we don't deal with pedos. We're a terrorist unit. We're not counter pedo unit. Um, so... There we go. Um, got him out of the way. But the drop's done. Jane's getting interrogated. Uh, I love Jack sort of getting angry at her. Basically like, there's no liars here. It's just you and me. It's like, damn it. When do you speak to your dad? Rabble, rabble, rabble. Which, got to say, Jack, thirsty man. Got a coffee this week. So um, good to see. <laughs> Jack just keeping his fluids up. He's not eating his uh, taquitos or his salad this week or his uh, pasta bake. But uh, heroin. Yeah. How does, how does Jack take his coffee? Like he takes his women, strong and black? <laughs> does he? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't drink coffee, so I'm going to assume he takes it hot. Hot. I, I Actually, <laughs> considering what will happen with uh, some of his future women throughout the series, I'm going to say uh, white and slightly emotional. Um, <laughs> so, but awesome, <laughs> at least one of them. Uh, the other, uh, probably white, bit overrated. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> uh, Renee and Audrey. Are we going to have arguments on Renee versus Audrey? Yes, I know well, you look- definitely will. I don't know. I mean, I'll, 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 I'll have to see what it's like after watching all the seasons. Uh, I would probably be slightly more team Audrey. So oh, it's not going to be an argument over who's better, but I will oh, 100% that makes me happy. back Renee as one of the best characters. I'm telling you now, like, I know I'm biased. I love me some Kim Raver and I'm going to, you know, defend it to the cows come home, but she's brilliant next season. She's like even better than I remember. And I know a lot and, of people complain about her being a pain. Oh God. And then season six, her, oh, don't even get me started. So yeah. Anyway, Audrey, next season, Kim Raver. We're only like, what, five episodes away from Kim Raver? Six yeah. episodes away? Like, come on, come on, Colin, bring on the Kim. Um, well, speaking of Kim, she's brought on here. There's a segue. So she's out. She's on a computer. Like, what is she? Like, they've literally put her into place like in 35 minutes. Kim, you're going to a library. Okay, I'm doing it. What do I do on the computer? Uh, just... Type things, but like what? <laughs> what if somebody actually wants to find a book? 
Yeah, we don't know that far. Just type it. Just pretend. <laughs> like Kim's like, I, oh, I actually God. wrote in my notes: Is Kim just playing solitaire? Yeah, <laughs> just like type it on the computer. Like, what do I do here? <laughs> um, but yeah, so Jane, yeah, says that she only gets to see her dad basically when he calls. Um, she doesn't admit to uh, what we're going to get uh, next week of sort of about this emergency line. But what I always want to know in, in movies and TV shows when somebody's like knocked out and they're like, and you get like the smelling salts and they do this like clicky yeah. thing. Like, what is that? Is it dog shit? Like, is it like <laughs> moldy cheese? Because she's all like, like this Jack just like let one rip and like, all right, there we go. Oh, fucking hell. Jesus, Jack. Um, like it's what some is juices it? from Chappelle's dead body. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that too soon, Colin. He's barely cold. <laughs> Poor Chappelle. Um, but yeah, so Kim, we think it's red shirt guy, but it's not. So Kim goes, hides in a bookshelf. He, she gets taken by Samuel here. Don't make a move. Where is where is Jane? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to pause for a second. I, I will own the fact that every impression I have sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I, yours is Admiral Ackbar. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, my, my impressions are kind of like ER, um, but <laughs> without the medical stuff. Uh, come on, Ken Morris, I'm going to take you outside. Uh, <laughs> so they go outside. Now, one thing I will give you, so this is tense at the end and, you know, Jack's trying to find where she is and then bang, Kim shoots this guy and I love badass Kim straight away. First thing is like, Saunders is going to know that Jane's uh, not there. So badass Kim. The worst acting in this episode to me outside of the ones you've already mentioned is this like struggle between these two because like oh. he's taking her outside. So he's all like, where, where is this? Um, <laughs> and the guy's like, so all of a sudden Kim's like, no, they, they may as well just be like going like, yeah, me, 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 me. Like the way they're kind of like slapping each other. Like, I mean, this is a freaking you know, terrace of Saunders. And then she gets a gun and bang. And then uh, again, Kim just tasted blood. You know, and Jack's just like, that's my girl. Um, <laughs> because, again, brushed Next under time you want to put your back into it, Kim. There, I mean, there is an even worse one next season. Don't even get me started on a character that they make kill someone and then it's just it forgotten Chloe? about in two seconds. Well, you, you, you might have spoiled it, but whatever. Um, <laughs> it's, oh, it's, 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 it's a good episode, too. That kind of ruins the episode. But I um, still have the visual in my head. And I still remember bursting out laughing at the moment you're talking about next season, like bursting out laughing in the middle of loving the season. I I had, I think I mentioned before, a friend of mine who I, I rewatched this with uh, many years ago and she loved Chloe and she was exactly the same in that scene. And there's a, there's a, there's a moment which I completely forgot about. There's like this scene where like Jack's on a computer and Chloe's there and Chloe's just like, Jack, if you ever need to talk, like, I'm always here. And just the look that Jack, like, turns and gives, like, what the fuck? Like, Jack literally has a what the fuck look on his face. Like, you? Is he not going to talk to you? Like, it's, it's hilarious. I remember my friend just losing it. He's, she's like, rewind it, rewind it. I want to see that look on his face again. Um, but, yeah, anyway, so Kim's tasted blood again. She's a, Her kill count is two. Um, has she killed more people than Tony? I think she I has. I think she has. <laughs> Wow. But, and um, less injuries suffered. So she's already a better field agent than Tony. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, look, it's it's not the biggest cliffhanger. It's, you know, whatever. But I, I will say, like, what I'm going to, when it comes to my ranking and everything, what elevates this to me is Kim and the scene with, with Jack and just everything here. Because Kim being in peril for once, you're not like, here we go again. You're kind of like, yeah, Kim, fucking shoot people. That's it. Like, go and... I kind of, now that I think about it, wish they had turned her into an agent. Like, this was just the beginning. Like, she's going off to field training in between this and season four. Like, kind of would have liked to see Alicia Cuthbert as a badass agent. But, um, yeah, it's it's a decent ending. Um, Jack's explosion, his scary Jack tactic against Jane. Uh, having watched next week's episode, I'm going to say this is a criticism just from carrying one episode to the next. It really doesn't make sense until you see the next episode. Uh, mm. It's a good cop, bad cop routine that he's doing with himself. He's doing paranoid schizophrenic Jack Bauer here. <laughs> it's, like, it's all right. I'll protect you. Tell me where he is. <laughs> you know? uh, but we only really get scary Jack here. And, and I'm, I'm sorry to the actress who plays Jane. This is no knock against you, but her screaming and whining back at him, just it, it was like nails on a chalkboard to me. Like It really drove me up the wall. And I think I we both have a lot of frustration with Jane's character, more so 
this is what it comes down to. This is her place in the season. This is Saunders' place in the season. So I, I haven't even really thought about judging the actress yet, but just judging her position, this story, and the way that this scene plays out. Um, maybe we just have too much yelling Jack in this episode. You know, we, we had him fighting with Tony earlier. We have uh, his emotional moment with Kim. We have him fighting with Jane here. We have an emotional moment with Kim. I mean, it's just, it's so back and forth that it really didn't work for me. And um, what did we know about Jane at this point? I mean, we're going to find out next. We found out about her at the beginning of the episode. Jane is okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So is this, is this as dramatic as it could be with it? This is our only shot, you know? And like you said, uh, we're going to take this shot now. Uh, but Chappelle's dead. Like a couple minutes too late. Uh, the the Kim as the librarian thing. There's some questionable things about that. I, I do like. There's a nervousness. So I'll really compliment Alicia Cuthbert here, and not even just in her line delivery, but the same way that I think Kiefer Sutherland really played that opening scene well, where you got his emotions without him showing any expressions or moving. You get this nervousness when whenever you have shots of Kim from the side. She's got her her hair covering her face, her wig covering her face. And she's trying to angle herself a little bit differently. And you don't see her sitting there sweating like, oh, oh, they're going to know it's me. But you can still tell the emotion. I think that's when somebody's a really good actor. So first time, I think, in three seasons, I'm going to really compliment Alicia Cuthbert as a really good actor is in this scene because you get everything that's going through her head without her saying anything. So huge props to her. Uh, and it does feel tense. I think it's just unfortunate that what it comes down to with this guy, you know, oh, can you help me find a book? Sure, this isn't a guy I should be nervous about. And then all of a sudden, all right, come here. You know, it's it's very cheesy. Uh, their fight over the gun is over the top. I find the gun, maybe it's just the way it looks in certain shots. This is a, we're going to be talking about Men in Black very soon. Maybe even by the time this episode's out, it's going to be even closer. Uh, uh, but well, it, closer, but yeah, no, anyway. Yeah, yeah we're a couple weeks away at least, but in the first movie where Tommy Lee Jones is like the, the series six atomizer and he's got the most massive gun. And then he gives Will Smith noisy cricket and Will Smith's <laughs> like, I want the series six anatomizer. This is the series six anatomizer. Like, I don't know how Alicia Cuthbert gets a grip on this thing. It's the biggest gun I have ever seen. And you have them just wrestling back and forth. It's not great. Um, there's things to really like about this confrontation, this storyline, the fact that it does come down to her, it's not Jack coming in for the save. I do love the moment where suddenly everybody swarms out of this trailer where they're monitoring and no, 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 they've got her, they got her. And it's not just Jack. You see every other random agent that was on a six hour coffee break prior to this season starting. They're all coming out too. Like they're, they're, it's a really dramatic moment. You said John Cassar did this one? He he did, yes. He directed this episode. Yeah, so again, no knocking is John Cassar. There are things in this episode, the, the performances he got of the actors and then moments of tension and drama like this with everybody just suddenly bolting we got to save kim and then when you get that moment where she saves herself that's been done so many times in tv and movies where you got the helpless character but then everybody else like don't worry else we had the one of the worst moments ever in the force awakens uh where finn is like no that girl is getting beaten up i need to save her and then she starts fighting back he's like oh a girl can fight other than the fact that we have seen girls fight in six or seven star wars movies prior to this uh, that's our Star Wars frustration. We'll eventually finish Rise of Skywalker and be done with it. But, uh, but you've seen that so many times, but it's not played cheesy in this. But yeah, there are some things which, you know, again, their hands are tied. What do you do at this point in the season? What do you do when you have Alicia Cuthbert fighting with a guy who's not supposed to look like a tough henchman? You can't cast a guy who looks physically imposing or intimidating. Uh, so my criticism is more just, yeah, I don't think they really had a lot of options here, but a lot of things in this episode just don't come across as the best, but a lot of things do come across as fantastic. So it slightly balances out. Alexandra Lydon is the actress who plays Jane. This was only her second, third ever acting appearance, according to IMDb, and her most extensive appearance ever that she ever did. She was in five, she's in five episodes of 24. She went on to be in three episodes of CSI Miami, three episodes of Prison Break, three episodes of Kville, whatever that is, and she hasn't acted since 2014, according to oh. uh, IMDb. So, come on. She was holding out hope that they would bring her back for Live yes. Another Day or for Redemption, and it didn't happen. Then she's like, and, now I'll hang out my boots. And, of course, what happens when you add a T to Jane? You get Janet, and she's <laughs> kind of Janet Light. Let's be honest. I was... I, I don't know. That should have been more obvious to me. Let's say I'm, I'm tired, but I'm, I'm like, 
to Jane, Jan T, Jatney, Jatney, our favorite character on Twenty Four. Um, not a whole lot in terms of uh, the book this week. Um, the trivia I mentioned that yeah, there was meant to be a a web uh, a, a scene with Jack crying, but they use that later on. And the Sylvie Imports, so the, the message on sylvieimports.com initially said, a big thank you from the crew of 24. Thanks for watching. We love making it for you. And, yes, we did get picked up for season four. So uh, that is what they have there. Uh, I love kind of like I know we do user reviews, and I'm not going to do this every week, so we hear all uh, every single week. But there are five reviews in this episode on IMDb. Someone gave it a nine, a nine, a nine, an eight, and an eight. Uh, so that's not five. That's four. So uh, IMDb can't count, but whatever. Um, so, yeah, that's about all I can tell you on the episode. Uh, I'm very interested to see what you're going to do with this. <sighs> I'm I, I'm still trying to work out in my head whether it's just disappointment after the last three episodes that we had that this is what has come down to. But I'm trying to look at the rest of the season, figure out what this is my bottom episode of the season. I'll say that much. It's sort of on the bubble of is this a very low rent or a very high bin? And I don't have I don't think either of us have binned any episode this season. Um, yet at the same time, we have done a lot of talking about how it's not necessarily this season is better than season one. It's just that it's it's you know it's so perfectly in the middle. But I will have to break with tradition. I'm sorry we couldn't go the whole season without uh, binning an episode, but I am going to bin this one. It's going to no. be my third. My third highest bin ever, though. This is just below episode 18 of season one and then episode six of season two. Because it's just, there's too many things. There's bad acting, there's bad storytelling. Where we're going to go with some of these storylines just gets cut off out of nowhere. So, yeah, there's frustration with this episode, even though there's some good stuff. No, this isn't a yes. bin. Now you're trying to palpitate. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> No, I disagree completely. I'm buying this episode. Um, no, uh, I, I bad, bad call. Um, and I actually have this as the sixth highest episode of the season. So wow. Um, I, I mean, just seriously, the Kim and Jack stuff elevates this, and Alicia Cuthbert is just so on point. And I think what I find with the rest of this season is that it's so solid. Like this is such a like. Obviously, season one, the last two episodes are nigh on perfect, but there's obviously like a few episodes around that they were like, yeah, rent, yeah, whatever, this, whereas kind of this, arguably from like this point on, like nothing's bad to me. So like I think kind of, yeah, I'm going to struggle to, uh, you know, criticise anything moving forward. Well, that's a lie. There are some stuff to criticise. There's one plot point which makes me very mad this season. Well, two. But, um, I mean, I've got episodes coming up, which I'm telling you now, are, are very, very high on this list, but... Point is, no, no, uh, no I've got no. this 25th overall. Uh, so, yeah. And I, so I, what I'm doing, I, I, like, obviously when I'm jumping ahead, I'm raking, rating them and, and ranking them, but I've got my two separate rankings. So I've got my ranking here where this is just what we're up to on the podcast, and then I've got my ranking where I'm up to my rewatch. So this is the 67th episode of 24. And I can tell you that I have uh, now watched uh, 94 episodes of 24 uh, on my other one. So, because uh, that's why I like the placing of this episode is, I'll spoil it now, lower on my list <laughs> than where I'm up to rewatching versus where we're up to on the podcast. So uh, that makes sense in my head. At least I know what I'm talking about. Uh, next week, the synopsis, Michelle finds out the results of her test as Adam finds out the virus has infected his sister. Yay. Jack tries to use Jane Saunders as leverage to force Saunders to surrender. And I'm not going to mention the last line because that will give away a big plot point. Um, we kind of get the acceleration of a big Tony plot point moving forward next week. Mm-hmm. Saunders, stuff spicing up. We get some badass Saunders moving forward with it. Um, yeah, it's an in- enjoyable episode. I, I like it. Yeah, I've watched it. Uh, I've watched the next two already. And um, next week is an improvement over this one. That's all I'll say. Interesting to say that because I'm looking at my rankings and according to my rankings, it's not. But um, <laughs> I I do enjoy next week because there's some good stuff in it when it comes to that too. So uh, bring it on. Exciting, always. Um, and as always, do all the stuff that we tell you to do at the end. 
like and subscribe and jazz it up. <laughs> jazz it up. <laughs> when have I ever said that before? <laughs> yeah, jazz. Um, bad Movie Month continues this week. Uh, the Love Guru, uh, getting pumped and excited for that. Breaking Bad, we've only got a couple of episodes to go of that as well. And, of course, Lost, it's back. And I'm telling you now at the time of recording this, we're, we're done. We have officially recorded everything. We've even recorded the series recap now. So Lost we recorded 100%. the video game. We we, oh, we didn't do the video game like we did on 24, oh. so um, we didn't do Lost via Dumas, uh, but maybe <laughs> one day. But uh, And Last Light. Now, at the time of recording this, uh, we're very close to seeing uh, Matthew Fox come back, and Noah and I haven't exactly uh, committed to when we're going to do that. don't know if you're going to watch it and want to be involved in that too. We're just going to do probably just like a one spoiler review of the entire series. We're not going to do every single episode. But uh, are you going to watch Last Light? Is it something that you're intrigued to yeah. see old Matty Fox coming back because he had to go back? Yeah, yeah it, it looks interesting enough. I don't think I have, what, what is it, uh, Stephen Mate or something like that, whatever the <laughs> Australian channel. Stephen Mate. Okay, <laughs> I'm Stephen and I'm your mate. Uh, Stan. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know where it's going to be airing here or if it is going to be airing here. I'll have to wait and see. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. I mean, Matthew Fox, I mean, he's, he's the butt of a lot of jokes, but uh, but he's adequate. Ah, <laughs> oh, more than adequate. Better than you. Um, better than Max Dawson. Um, and also, <laughs> at the time of recording this, I don't know if you saw they dropped the trailer for the new season of the Mighty Ducks Game Changers, which... Um, oh, I haven't watched it yet, but I saw it this morning. Eh, you know. <laughs> no Bombay. <laughs> No Bombay, but uh, maybe we might do another review of that season two as well. Uh, have you watched She-Hulk yet? Can I just? I know we should be doing this for our yes. Patreon episode. You have? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Save yeah. your thoughts it's- on Patreon. We won't want to give them away here we for will free. Talk about it. Yeah, you're going to have to pay us if you want to hear what we think of She-Hulk. Exactly. That's deliberate cliffhanger right there. So you're going, oh, what is cool? I think of She-Hulk. Oh, damn it. Shut up and take my money. But until next week, my name is Ben. And there's no ending here, just you and me. And my name is Colin, and you know if you add a T to Colin, you get Janet. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.